So we're going to uh, celebrate Christmas in three days. Wow, everybody's all ready, right? And uh, or or not, here it comes, whether you're ready or not, I guess. But uh, uh, we had uh, we had a wonderful Christmas gift in 1976. This uh, young man over here was born on Christmas Day, so happy birthday! Uh, he shares with Jesus the, his birthday. Uh, and we tried all these years not to make him, um, a, uh, you know, uh, you come up short shrifted sometimes when <laughs> your birthday's on Christmas, but we tried to avoid that. Uh, but uh, not, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. But anyway, he gets to share it with Jesus, so I think that's awesome. Um, it was a miracle uh, of ours that God brought uh, to us that, uh, you know, according to the doctors, shouldn't have been here, but here he is. And uh, you get any stronger there, you're going to have to buy another suit because your arms are like popping out of that thing. So he's, he's, uh, he's working out all the time. He's making me look bad. He's trying to. Uh, I, um, I, I saw this, uh, I saw this uh, story that was, was kind of uh, interesting. But there was a, uh, a man, uh, I was thinking about Joelle. Uh, a man bought a, a diamond ring for his wife and uh, for Christmas. And when one of his friends heard how extravagant he had become, all of a sudden, because it was kind of out of character for him, he said, man, I thought, that's really awesome you bought her a a diamond ring. He says, I thought she wanted one of those little sporty four-wheel vehicle things. And he said, well, she did, but where was I going to find a fake Jeep? (laughs) And you'll get it eventually, okay? (laughs) You know, or, or the little, little boy, you know, it was, it was Christmas Day and they'd opened all their presents and, and it just, you know, it's awesome with all the family. And they, they sat down for their big Christmas dinner and, and, and one of the, you know, all the family members bow their, bow their heads and, and to pray. And they asked the little boy, he's about seven years old, he said, if you would pray. And so he began his prayer and he thanked God for the presents that he got from Santa and all of his Family and he thanked God for his mommy and his daddy and his brother and his sister and his aunts and his grandma and his uncles and his grandpa and thank God for he started going down the list. I think thank God for the turkey, thank God for the cranberry sauce, thank God for the stuffing. And then there was this giant pause. And his mother said, What's wrong? He says, if I tell God, if I ask God to thank him, if I thank him for the Brussels sprouts, will he know I'm lying? <laughs> so, I, you know, I just, uh, anyway. But Christmas is here. What a wonderful time. And, we're, you know, we're excited about that and, and to be with family and friends. And uh, it's nice to see uh, uh, Tara's family here with, uh, with us today and, and uh, all the way from Illinois. I told them it's going to be 65 on Thursday. And they said, we can't wait. So, uh, it's a, you know, Chicago has already had how much snow? A lot already, right? So, yeah. Uh, I want to, to, uh, to speak this morning, as I said, uh, you can put that slide up for me if you wouldn't mind, and uh, I want to talk to you about something that's really, um, you know, we, uh, I put this on, on Facebook yesterday and, and just kind of boosted a little bit, and, and uh, uh, I want to talk to you about the idea of what, what, what God really, We we know that he is, 
we're going to talk about his ability is there. But I also want to talk to you about his willingness to manifest that ability. And I put this up on Facebook this, uh, yesterday, and, and this morning I had to delete a post that somebody put on there because they had a GIF on there, and it went fake, 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 fake. And, uh, yeah, I thought to myself, and I said it to Isaac, and he said, well, what about that? You mean God isn't able and he is unwilling? And, you know, what, 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 is, what about that is uh, so controversial? Because I said, well, if you, I, Jesus, Jesus came as an answer to a prayer and really the plan of God, but he came as a miracle. And uh, I, uh, I want to just want to talk about that for just a few minutes this morning. And if you turn in your Bibles, we're going to put up uh, some scriptures, and I'm going to do a number of scriptures just to kind of lay a foundation. But uh, I want to begin in the book of Malachi, or as my sister-in-law, who is Italian, says, Malachi. Uh, but I could be wrong. I mean, she could be right, and I could be wrong, because I was in Israel, you know, a, a few weeks ago, and um, uh, we went to a town that we pronounce Caesarea Philippi. And um, that's where Jesus and you know, Peter were and the gates of hell and all that. And anyway, um, but in Israel, they pronounce Caesarea, Casaria. And I always thought, well, that's wrong. But then I looked it up and they're right. I took Latin, but it's Casaria. And, uh, and that we say, well, Philippi, because we said Philip I. No, it's Philippi. So it's actually Casaria, Philippi. Okay, so I've been joking all these years about Malachi being Malachi, and I think I may be wrong. Maybe it is Malachi, I don't know. Whatever it is, turn to chapter four. And um, I'm just gonna read those, there's uh, six verses there at the end of that chapter. This is the last book in the Old Testament that's considered canon. There's some book of Maccabees and other things, but this is the last one in the, uh, in the, in the Jewish Bible. And uh, it says, indeed, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of hosts, not leaving them root or branches. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go out and playfully jump like calves in the stall, from the stall. You will trample the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. He says, remember the instruction, remember the word, the commandments of Moses, my servant, the statutes and ordinances I commanded him when you came out of Israel. Look, I'm going to send to you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day, the King James says, the awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the children, turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. When you talk to uh, Orthodox Jews, they believe the day of the Lord is nearly here. They are looking for Messiah right now to appear. There's a whole kind of sect within Judaism called the Leibovitzes, and, 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 and they think Messiah already came in the form of a rabbi from Brooklyn, but he's dead, and he hasn't come back from the life. So I'm not sure how they figure that out. But the Orthodox are looking for Messiah. 
The Jewish people are waiting for this day to come because they missed the first Elijah. John the Baptist came, we know, in the, in the form of Elijah. Why, didn't, why did they miss it? How did they miss it? Because they, that day came in not the way they thought it was going to come. They missed Jesus as the Messiah because he didn't come and with, and, and you know, to, to, he didn't come under their expectations. They had a totally different mindset about how the anointed one would come. There's also a prophecy in Islam, in, in um, uh, Shiite Islam particularly, uh, about a young boy that will, uh, anointed one who was about to burst on the scene up out of a well, the 12th Imam. And, and so, um, and we know as Christians that Jesus is about to return at any moment. So you got three major religions of the world all expecting, all expecting God to show up on the scene at any moment. We know Jesus has already come though. We, we stand at a point in time when, when God said that it will be the last days. This is called the days of the last days. There will be a false Messiah, and there will be the return of the true Messiah, the anointed one of Israel. But aren't we glad that we're not like the Jews? They think Messiah hasn't come yet. They, Malachi is the end of it as far as and they're still waiting. But we know Jesus came. We're under a, a, different, a different mindset. We don't have to wait because for us, the son of righteousness has risen with healing in his wings. And we do know that, that John the Baptist came in the form of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the hearts of the fathers. There's a revival of love because God is love. Jesus is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, as Dave just said a moment ago. That's, that's the gift of God. I want to, uh, like I said, put several scriptures in front of you as we begin and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26. And this is the story of Mary as she receives the pronouncement from the angel uh, about the, uh, you know, the impending pregnancy she's going, to, she's going to have. So it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman. I like, hey, you know, <laughs> I, I like the King James a little better, but you know, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. And she was deeply troubled by this statement and wondering what kind of greeting this could possibly be. Hail, those, you, you know, you woman that's highly favored of God. And the angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his, of his kingdom there will be no end. Say no end. There's no end to his kingdom, and it's here, friends. And Mary asked the angel, well, how can this be since I've not been intimate with a man? And the angel replied to her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Hallelujah. And therefore, the Holy One to be born in you will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she, she who was barren, has conceived a child in her old age, a son. And this is the sixth month of her who was, all, who was called barren. So she's been pregnant already for six months. And here's the verse, for with God, nothing is impossible. Mary said, I'm the servant of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. According to your word, let it happen to me. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says it this way. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. But see, the Jews weren't looking for a baby. This is the miracle for which the world was waiting but because, you see, his ways are always higher than our ways. God has a, has a different mindset on it. Wise men were willing to travel great distances to see a new king. They, they were drawn by a miracle. They were drawn by a, by a star, a prophetic pronouncement in the skies. And shepherds were willing to travel some distance to experience the miracle that the angels had spoken to them about. People will run to and fro looking for a miracle. I can't tell. You know, when people are desperate, they'll do anything. How many meetings have I been in? People came to because they were desperate and they heard there might be a miracle there available to them. I mean, haven't you read about those things where they see the face of Jesus on a water tower or the face of Mary on a piece of pizza on eBay? I really saw that a few years ago. Maybe it was toast or something, a piece of pizza. That They saw the face of Mary in a piece of pizza and put it on eBay and people paid for it. Because deep down inside, everyone wants to see a miracle. But there's a problem with miracles. Consider the miracle of the virgin birth. God said it was coming that way. But they, that's not what it meant. Why didn't most of the Jews receive Jesus as Messiah? Because it, it's the same problem man has always had when they struggle to deal with God. They had an expectation of how it was going to happen. This is, how, this is what God's going to do. And when it doesn't line up with their expectations, they reject it. They were looking for a warrior king to come on riding on a white horse that was going to set them free. And he's coming that way, but it just wasn't yet. See, so understand that your miracle might happen in some unsuspected way. Maybe it's financial or emotional, relational or physical, whatever it may be. But we have to be open to the ways that God is doing because his ways are, are different than our ways. So you're in a church that believes that <laughs> nothing's impossible. We preach faith for a reason. We're trying to instill in ourselves and each other the expectation that God can do anything. And not only does he can do anything, but he will. I, I want to just 
move that forward a notch, I want to put up a verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Okay? It's a familiar verse to us. But now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The word able in the, in the Greek is dunamai, D-U-N-A-M-A-I. And it means to be possible, to be able, to be of power. So, in other words, God has the power to do exceeding abundantly is actually the same word. What it really means is exceeding, exceeding, or abundantly, abundantly. It's a multiplied idea. So how do I, uh, I was, was talking with that, uh, I think I mentioned it last week, but uh, this young man from, from Israel on the plane, and he said, you know, we don't have in Hebrew a word for vocabulary, so we have to come up, we have to add some words together to make, it, to make out the idea. So the word vocabulary in Hebrew is actually treasure of, of uh, words, a treasury of words. So that's the word for vocabulary. So when you look at exceeding abundantly, the idea is it is superabundant. So God has power to do much, 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 much more beyond what we can ask or even think of. Are you with me? So God has the power. He, he comes at it from a different perspective to do way more than we ever dreamed or imagined. Put that back up for me, okay? And then it says, according to the power, and that word power is, is the dunamis, is the supernatural power, according to the power that works where? In us. So, so here's the idea. When you pray, you serve a God who will answer you, who desires to answer you, who has said he will answer you, and your answer may come in a way that is supernaturally, abundantly above what you have ever even dreamed of because of the power, the resurrection power, the supernatural power that's residing in you. The Holy Ghost is in you. The Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, the one who created the heavens and the earth, is living inside of you, and he is going to do so much more than you can possibly imagine or even dream of, says the Lord. But we all have our own ideas of how it's going to work out. How many times have we prayed, well, Lord, if you could just do this, if you could just do this, and you don't see that happen, but you stand back six months later and you go, oh, I see. I see. See, it can't always be our way or the highway. So, so God is able to go beyond our consideration. It, it, it's, it's us who are sometimes inflexible, uh, unimaginative. And God says, I'm going to confound the wisdom of the wise. I'm going to confound the intelligent uh, the wisdom of the wise will vanish. He gives clues to his, what he's about to do. God says, for example, uh, uh, on the birth of Jesus, huh, I tell them I'm able. I tell them 
I'm going to, to perform a miracle. I even tell them where, Bethlehem, okay, Herod's advisors were correct. But when it happens, they don't believe it even when they see it because it doesn't look like what they thought it would be. Because with God, nothing is impossible. Even a baby can save a nation, can save the world. He didn't come fully grown on that white horse leading the charge. But the miracle of God came anyway because it was the right time and God responded to the people. He loved them. I want you to, I want you to also look at me with, with John chapter 14, verse 7. Jesus said to Philip, if you've seen me, if you know me, you'll know my father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the father. And that's enough for us. I've said this many times over the last few weeks. This is really something the Holy Spirit's been trying to impact me with. And so I'm presenting it to you. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time without your knowing me, Philip? The one who has seen me have, has seen the Father. So therefore, how can you possibly say, show us the Father? You see me? I'm an exact representation of the Father. That's what Hebrews says to us. Jesus was the exact image of the Father. So you want to know the will of the Father? Look at Jesus. What did he do? He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He had compassion on the lost. He, 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 he cared for the people. He loved people. God is love. Everything that Jesus did was an exact representation of the Father. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I speak to you are not my words, Jesus said. The words I'm speaking to you, I heard directly the Father God speak in my ear. And so I just, I'm just a, a transmitter of, the, of what the things I've received. I'm speaking it to you. Believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Otherwise, at least believe me because of what you see, the works. I assure you, truly, truly, the King James says, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. Why? Because that powers in us. And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Therefore, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I will. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Because nothing's impossible with God. Why? So the Father can be glorified in this earth. Because he loves us. Because Jesus loved you so much he came as a baby to live, to feel the things that you're going through, to understand. You don't think Jesus saw death around him when he was growing up? The average age of a, a person you know, in, in Israel at the time, the, the lifespan was around 40 years old. People lived to 80, but it was highly unusual. So he saw death. He was touched by it. We, we serve a, a God who loves us so much beyond even what we can possibly imagine. 
We serve a supernatural God who can just speak the word and it will come to pass. God who calls those things that are not as though they were. Because to him they are. I was thinking the other day when when Jesus was told about Lazarus, he waited three days to go to him. And they didn't understand. He said, well, he's just asleep. Because you see, to Jesus, he wasn't dead. He didn't have any trouble waking him from the dead because in Jesus' eyes, he wasn't dead because he had authority over death. Miracles happen because he loves us and he wants us to trust him. And it's said in Ephesians 3.20 that he is able. Let me show you some of the things that he's able to do. Go, go to that mass scripture in Matthew. I'm going to just give you a, a series of scriptures right here. So Matthew 3, he says, Don't presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from stones. So God can, can raise up people. He can, make, he can turn stones into people. He's able. If that's the case, he's able to heal the leper the AIDS patient, the cancer-stricken, the blind, people in wheelchairs. And so if God can make people from rocks, he can certainly take care of disease. Mark chapter 2, verse 3 says it this way. He says, they came to him bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof where he was and they lowered him down through the roof on the stretcher which he was lying on. And seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now this man is paralyzed and he's been let through down to the roof by his four friends and he's down there in the midst of all these people in the house and Jesus turns to him, a guy that's laying on the stretcher, probably strapped onto it, can't move. Oh, your, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes are sitting there thinking to themselves, well, how can he speak like this? That, that's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins except God alone? They understood what he was saying. They understood what he was saying. Hmm. Who is able but God alone to forgive? And then Jesus said, of course, rise, take up your mat and walk in order to prove to him. You know, which, which is greater, he said, which is greater to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Well, I'd say get up and walk because I can't prove that your sins are forgiven, but I can prove if you can't walk. And said, so to demonstrate to you that I am, have the ability to forgive you of your sins, get up and walk. And of course, the man walked. God is able to forgive us. The worst sinner, doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done or anything else, Jesus not only is able, he's willing to forgive you of your worst kind of sins. But they still couldn't see the miracle. They still stoned Jesus. They, I mean, they stoned him. They, they crucified Jesus because of what he did. He was blaspheming. Yet he proved he had the ability to forgive sins by having the ability to raise the man up from the floor. Romans 16, 25 says this. Now to him who has ability, power, to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the sacred secret kept silent for so long. In other words, what he's saying is, is that he has the power 
to put you on a strong foundation from which you can never be shaken. He is, he is able to establish your feet. Hebrews 7.25 says he is able to save us to the uttermost, those who come to God through him. God is able to save you no matter where you've been or what you've done. God is able to save you. He's able to intercede. He always lives to intercede for them. Down there in Jude 1, verse 24 says this, Now unto him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy in the presence of God. In other words, God is able to save us to the uttermost and he's able to keep you from falling. You do not have to worry about your salvation. All you gotta do is have faith in Jesus. He's able to walk on water. He's able to feed 5,000 from five loaves. He's able to cause a miraculous catch of fish for his disciples. He's able to, to stop the advance of the sun for a day. Imagine that, sun, stand still. He's able to open the Red Sea. He's able to open the Jordan River. He's able to cause a rock to bring forth streams of water that give water to two million people that follow them in the desert for 40 years. I, I don't even get that one. He's able to send manna from heaven and feed two million people every day with fresh bread from heaven. He's able to raise the dead back to life. Do you know that Bethel Church, now I haven't heard what's happening, but Bethel Church, one of the music pastors, two-year-old daughter uh, died, and uh, they've been having a service. They're believing to, for her to be raised from the dead. Now, they're in for a lot of ridicule and a lot of other problems if she isn't. But you know what? At least they tried. And I believe I have faith with them. There's a little boy in this community that had a heart transplant. He's like nine years old. And um, he's, he's rejecting that heart. Today, Father, I say in the name of Jesus, he will not reject that heart. Just as we prayed for those two ladies a little while ago, that they will live and not die, he shall also. We stand in agreement on the word of God that promised that he's able to raise the dead back to life. I mean, think he was able to pay his taxes with a fish. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I need, send me a fish. He's able to change the water to wine. He's able to cast out demons. He's able to calm the storm. He is able to get this. He is able to fulfill the plan of God for your life. He is able to bring your miracle to pass. But here's the big question, isn't it? I know he's able. How many believe he's able? Anybody? God can suspend this natural law for a supernatural law to manifest my miracle. But will he do it for me? And, and there's, there's one account that's listed in all three Gospels, or three of the four Gospels. And I want to put it up for you. The first one's found in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2. A man came to Jesus who was a leper. HCSB says a skin disease, and it was leprosy. And he knelt before Jesus and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand. And here's a significant point. He touched him. 
And he said, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately his disease was gone. It was healed. In the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 40 says, A man with leprosy came to Jesus and got on his knees and begged him and said, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the disease left him and he was healed. And in Luke, we have the third account of the same situation in Luke chapter 5, verse 12. While he was in one of the towns nearby, a man was there who had leprosy, skin disease, all over him. He saw Jesus. He fell face down. He begged him. He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him and said, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the disease left him. Ringing down the halls of eternity are three words that Jesus spoke, and the words are, I am willing. Do you hear me? Jesus said he hasn't changed, and he spoke those words, and I spoke, I know that there, you know, there's a reason all, that account is in each one of the Gospels. It's a very brief verse, two or three verses at the most. But what's important, Moses said in the law, he said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. In other words, I can't convict you on the statement of one person. A person can lie. A person can manipulate the truth. Just look at Washington. I can't convict you on hearsay evidence and just one person say so. But if two people or three people come along, you can be sure, you can stake your life on the facts that this is true. And in the gospel account, all three evangelists tell us that Jesus made a pronouncement, and I tell you today, you can stake your life on it. Jesus is willing. He hasn't changed. He is the express image of the Father. He did what he saw the Father doing. I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. God is willing. Have faith in God's word. He is willing. But we struggle with that. The leper came to Jesus, and that's, that was his struggle. He may have seen Jesus healing people at a distance. And he wondered, what about me? And so he, got, he, he came to Jesus, he pressed through the crowd, came down, laid on his face before Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing. You gotta understand, he's a leper. He's not allowed in public places. He had to walk around saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. Highly contagious disease. He heard how Jesus had healed the sick. He had no doubt Jesus could heal him if I could just get to him. And so he says, when he finally finds a way to get there, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. 
He, he, he was, conf- get this, he was confident in the power of God, but not confident in the love of God. Like, like that leper, maybe you have a problem believing that God can give you a miracle. I can't tell you how many people are unhappy because change their minds, their minds about the message that you're hearing today is extremely controversial. I know of some people who have left this church because we say it's God's will to heal and someone in their family died. And if God's willing to heal, why didn't he heal my family member? So I believe he can. He's almighty God. He can do anything he wants. But will he do it for me? Let, let me explain to you. Let me assure you that the answer that Jesus gave to this leper settles that question once and for all. He stretched forth his hand and he touched the leper. And he said, I'm willing be clean. And immediately the leper was clean. Jesus touched that leper. Do you understand what that meant? Because if the leper was unclean, it would make the rabbi who touched him unclean. He'd have to go through a whole cleansing ritual with a red heifer and a whole nine yards. Not only that, but it's extremely uh, uh, contagious. So you run the risk of contracting the disease yourself. He could have just spoken a word like he did to the centurion and said, your, your servant's healed. And then went back and found it so. But he also knew that this leper had been cut off from society, cut off from his family. He, he, he's losing, you know, who knows what, skin and, and could be fingers and nose or whatever. And he makes him feel, it makes him feel dehumanized. You have to live on the outskirts of society, an outcast. And so Jesus touched him, a human touch to make him understand that he's loved and accepted again. Can you see God's heart of love there? Can you see how much he loved the leper? That's how much he loves you and me. He's touched by our weaknesses. He he feels our pain. The day that you come to know the the love of God, for God so loved the world, he sent his son. When you come to understand how much God loves you, you can believe that God will do anything for you. He wants you to be blessed, and he wants your miracle. We live in a fallen world. We live in an evil time. There is a devil I felt so sorry for that young man I was talking to on the plane that his whole family had turned their backs on God because so many of their family members died in the Holocaust, died in the ovens in Auschwitz. You can understand. They said, where was God? Where was God? Look, the devil is real. 
Sickness and disease are surely all around us. It is not the plan of God. I cannot answer why. Sometimes we don't see what we want. All I can tell you is that he is able, he is willing, because he loves you. And you need to hold on to that. And even when we don't see what we think we should see, maybe there's something else going on. Or maybe we just don't have to understand it, but we can hold on to the fact that God's word is still true. I, I, I cannot give you a good answer as to why we haven't seen it. Maybe it came in a different way, like Jesus came as a baby that day. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe we're in a bigger spiritual battle than we, than we understood. But I can tell you this, God's word is true. And, the, and I have in my ears ringing this moment, I am willing, says the Lord. I believe God has a plan for you, that he loves you. And, and he is a good time, and he is a good God, and he's an in-time God. And he is able to do exceeding abundantly above what I've even begun to imagine. He ever lives, he said, to make intercession for us. The feeling of our pain touches him. That's why he came like a baby to grow up and to go through everything we've gone through, yet not be tempted and not, he was tempted, but not sin. So he'd know what we're going through. He knows where your heart aches, how much you love those that are around you that are in pain today or what you're going through yourself. People still don't want to believe in the virgin birth. Why? Because it's beyond logic. It's beyond natural law, although now we've got in vitro fertilization and, and cloning and everything else. So, but I believe that God is prepared to make a supernatural way for you. He will calm the storm. He will heal your body. He will bring you joy instead of pain. He will bring you peace instead of anxiety. Even in the midst of the storm, he sees what you're up against. I, I want us to have faith in a God who, who loves us so much. We know that you're able. We know you're God. But are you willing? And I tell you today, unashamedly and unabashedly, he is willing. He is willing. Miracles happen because God loves us. God loves us. God loves you. I'm so glad Malachi is not the end of the story. The miracle came in the fullness of time. And he's here with us even right now. His name is Emmanuel. God is with you. He is not against you. He has forgiven you. He has made you an eternal being with eternal life in him if you accepted him as your Lord and Savior. His answer to you today is, yes, I'm able, but I am willing. I want you to receive that as your answer from the Lord today. We're believing and we're standing on the power and the presence and the word of God no matter what we see. I'm going to continue to proclaim that Jesus Christ is willing and he is God. Would you bow your heads with me? Today is the 22nd of December. It's, it's sundown tonight. It's the beginning of the Hanukkah season. In Israel, they'll celebrate the next eight days by the giving of gifts. It's actually a minor holiday, although they've tweaked it to make it comparable to Christmas, but it's not. There was a miracle that happened in, during the Maccabees before the time of Jesus. The temple had been defiled. Pigs' bloods spread everywhere, and 
As they cleaned up the temple, they only had enough oil to, consecrated oil to light the candles, the menorah, for one day. But they lit it by faith and for the next eight days until they could get new oil consecrated. It took seven days to reconsecrate oil. The candles, the menorah burned. And in Israel, in every Jewish home today, they have a menorah that has nine candles on it. One candle sticks up higher than the rest of it. And that one candle, they call the helper candle or the servant candle. And that candle lights the other eight candles, each one each night. And that candle sticks above those other candles. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We know who the attendant candle is. The one who provided the miracle of oil for eight days is the one that will provide the miracle for you today. Well, every head is bowed, every eye closed. Perhaps you're here today or you're watching on a video stream somewhere now or later and your heart's just not right with God. Maybe you served him at one time, but you know you're not living for him today. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. I can assure you it's not fake, it's very real. I have seen miracles all over the world and miracles in this place, and God's not finished with us yet. If you'd like to turn your heart over to Jesus today, just lift your hand. If you're in this room today, just lift your hand and say, I wanna get right with God today. Is there anyone that makes the confession? If you're watching by video, all you've got to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. The, the man on that mat needed to be forgiven of his sins. It was far more important than his healing. And then Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. Father, forgive us. Forgive those who need to make a confession that said that they're living far away from you and they want to get right with you. They want to put you in the first place in their hearts. And so, Father, we receive that. We thank you, Father, that you hear their prayers. You're making it, you, you ever live to make intercession for us, Jesus. Thank you for interceding for us. And thank you that you came, the gift of God, to forgive us and give us eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. While we're still praying, we prayed earlier before some of you were here that we have two very pressing needs. Cindy Shue's sister, Sandra, and Janice Surratt's sister, Lisa, need a miracle. I know God is able, and I know you know that God is willing. And so we're not begging, we're not pleading, we've already prayed, we are believing that they are healed. They're going to see a turnover. But if for some reason it doesn't happen, we're not going to blame God. We are going to stand in faith for the very next one. But today, we're not leaving here without the assurance that God has heard our prayers, that he is willing, and he is able. And Father, touch those ladies and make them whole. This very day, give them a wonderful Christmas and a future and a hope in Jesus Christ. And everybody that agrees, say amen. Stand to your feet. Is God able? Is God able?
Is he willing? Is he willing? Father, I thank you, Lord, that we're going to celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus, on Wednesday. I pray for each one of these. Lift your hands to the Lord this morning. I want to bless you. Christmas is a wonderful time, time of family and all that, but you know, take some time Christmas and read that Christmas story to your family. It's a story of love. It's a story of grace, a story of power, a story of favor, a story of a supernatural God who came in a way they didn't expect and is coming again. And the end of his government will never end. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I bless your people. They are the head and not the tail. They're blessed going in and coming out. They're blessed they all they put their hand to do. They're walking in the divine favor of God. They are people of faith, people of power, people of your presence. Lord, their jobs are blessed, their homes are blessed, families and finances are blessed. Oh God, I thank you for each one of them. Make this the greatest Christmas they've ever known. And Father, we will not cease to give you praise in all things, for all things, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas.